Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 611 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm good. You know me. I'm like a 10-scoop ice cream cone, Joe. I look amazing, but catastrophic structural failures right around the corner. <laughs> uh, do, so, so when you said that, I know your intention was 10 single scoops on top of each other. Yes, one cone with 10 scoops straight up. Now, I have seen before, this is where my mind went to, um, right. I've seen the one where it's like the, like it's one cone that's like a double cone. Okay. And then I was thinking, I'm like, has Todd seen like some sort of like horizontal 10 scoop cone that I've never seen before? I, I, I have an ice cream pyramid scheme, Joe. I, ice cream pyramid opportunity. Thank there you very you much. There you go. Um, yeah, it just... You don't see a lot of uh, innovation in the world of ice cream cones. They've pretty much perfected it. Right, except for those generic, like, knockoffs that people use another word for soft serve. That's the only thing I can think of. Oh, you, oh you're talking... No, so I'm not talking about the ice cream. I'm just talking about the cones themselves. Oh, um, I've only ever seen, like, what they make cones out of. That's about it. Like, okay. I always say we're living in a golden age of pizza crusts. But I'm hopefully some technological advancements when it comes to ice cream cones. Yeah, like you got like your you got your standard like you know wafer cone, and then you got like a waffle cone. Pretzel. I've seen some places that have like the pretzel cone. Yep. And then I've seen places the dipped pretzel cone. Ooh, yeah. And at that and at that point, you're just eating a chocolate covered pretzel. You know. That's that's fine. I'm fine with that. And like that old joke, like when you had the old, like the regular cones and you get to the bottom and they had that cross hatching that would destroy your teeth and jaws. Oh, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. One day I'll have to tell you about my ice cream scooping uh, techniques, like why my kid wants me. Like we make him get his own stuff now, but (laughs) why uh, why he would have me get his ice cream as opposed to my wife. We'll save that for after dark, a whole hot, hot ice cream talk. Yes, maybe next week. But we have hot comic talk uh, to discuss here. Uh, Obviously, we have a follow up uh, from a story uh, last week's show talking about a creator who sadly passed. Uh, DC and Netflix getting the promotional push out there for their next big summer series. Uh, and then, of course, we have some properties that are changing hands. Marvel picking up something that I think they've never had before and losing something that they've already lost once before. <laughs> right. And uh, I don't want to say a rare blunder on Marvel's part, but a definite head scratcher that I have, like, maybe some additional information that I haven't seen out there yet. Okay. Um, conventions this weekend, a little bit more full this weekend than the last couple weekends. Uh, what we read this past week, and actually, we actually read our own thing. So that one random person who sends me texts and then doesn't reply, uh, he'll be happy because we're talking about books that neither one of the other have read. Uh, I'll be discussing Do a Powerbomb, the new image uh, ongoing, and Todd will be discussing Bone Orchard, The Passageway, the new original graphic novel from Image. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, the standings, results, and follow-ups uh, for the Silver Standard, a.k.a. Todd and Joe Go Rogue, a.k.a. 
uh, determining who has the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. Uh, of course, last but not least, we have TV talk with the latest episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ms. Marvel, and The Boys. Yes, sir. Full stack show. Should oh, be boy. a short show, Joe. It will not be a short show. Okay. I got 20-minute jags planned in a lot of things here. Well, you are a 20-minute jag guy. Yes. Uh, so we discussed it last week that kind of out of nowhere, Jim Lee mentioned that uh, Tim Sale, longtime comic creator, artist, uh, had fallen ill, and it was a very serious illness, and that was literally on a Monday. We talked about it on a Tuesday, and sadly he passed uh, that Friday, and mm-hmm. it was just severe health issues. We don't have a lot more information in regards to uh, his passing. But it was great to see the outpouring from friends and other uh, illuminaries in the comic book world kind of pay tribute uh, to, you know, kind of see like everything that he touched. I know you sent out uh, that page that we talked about last week from Superman uh, for all seasons. You know, of course, I have to tie everything back into wrestling because that's the sort of jamoke that I am. Uh, but yeah, it just, you know, uh, it's one of the, I, I was even contacted by people that I know through wrestling and or other things that mm-hmm. reached out to me privately. And they're like, oh, my God, I didn't even know. Like, I didn't even know he was sick, you know? Right. Because it was mentioned. And then, like, it was only days later. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. If you're not on if you know, like if you weren't in the know. But, yeah, it just is. It was sad. And and I love the outpouring of emotions and stuff like that and all the fans and all the creators but the more it goes on the sadder i get you know what i mean yeah. so it's a good thing like but for me it's like oh like not that i want anybody to stop doing it but you're like oh i wish i could almost stop seeing it because it just breaks it after a while it just it takes its toll on me i don't know because it was you know so you know unexpected to me right That's- and you know obviously some of the other things that he was involved in uh, that I think we missed from last week. Uh, he and Darwin Cook, another you know great creator that left us too soon, uh, did that Superman Confidential series. And I forgot that Tim Sale did the um, in-show artwork for the first season of Heroes. That's right. Yep, because yeah. uh, Jeff Loeb was writing some of that, right? Yeah. Like, Jeff Loeb was like... He was definitely, like, I don't know if he was writing it, but he was definitely very heavily involved in getting yes, it on the right, air. Yeah. Right, right, right. But I forgot about that because they had the one person who had the powers who could draw the future. He would see, he was the artist and he could see the future and it was all uh, Tim Sale art. Yeah. Uh, but again, he'll be missed. Um, it's sad to see any anyone go. Um, but again, it, it was, you know, uh, and again, not inspiring but it was definitely heartwarming to see so many of his contemporaries speak so highly of him and, you know, kind of miss him and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's all. Yep, yep. Uh, so DC uh, announced that on the heels of the forthcoming Sandman Netflix TV show, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be doing in-store special editions, uh, which is going to be an excerpt from the first trade paperback, kind of giving it out for free to folks coming into the comic book shops ahead of the TV show coming out. Right. Um, and I'm I'm looking like even though I canceled my Netflix subscription, um, just because you know the price had kind of just kept going up and up and up. 
Right. Um, you know, I'll I'll pick it up for this to watch Sandman. No, I get you. I'm looking for I, I'm gonna get the comic because I do have the preacher free comic one, you know what I mean? When they did the preacher TV show. Right. Um, and I'm looking forward to Sandman, but I'm I think I'm gonna be in the Joe Sposto camp when you uh, like back when we did watch Preacher. Um, I think I'm gonna be too nitpicky, so but I am looking forward to the Sandman Netflix show. And I never canceled mine because Stranger Things uh, slash Disenchantment by uh, Matt Groening. So I, I still have mine ready to go. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I feel as though this uh, Netflix Sandman show has gone through so many different hands uh, so many different people, so many different iterations. Like we've heard about this show coming for years. Yeah, when it was a movie with uh, Gordon Levitt and stuff like that. Right, right. It's just so much. They, like they've been trying to make this into whatever since like the comic was even almost not, wasn't even finished yet. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, obviously, you have a much you. And again, we're not measuring like what the uh, affinity that we have for the show is. But if we were, I would say that you have a much stronger affinity. You were on board much sooner than I was. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever. But I think what it boils down to, you and I are both going to kind of be looking at this with the same critical eye. Yes. Um. Where I'd like to go into this with the mindset that I think I won't be as critical as I was regarding Preacher. Right. But all it's going to take is, like, for one wonky wig or one sort of, like... Bad CGI. So it's a TV show, so I could forgive... Bad, no, okay, I could forgive not great CGI, and I could look the other way for bad CGI, but downright insulting CGI is going to be an issue. <laughs> right. And I'd like to think that this is being treated as a prestige show, and it's important to both DC and Warner and Netflix and everything else like that, that they're not going to skimp on that sort of thing, you know? Right. Um, But like I said, some sort of like bad wig work. Or some sort of like little too cutesy self-referential line or something, right? Um, you know, I, I know a lot of times a comic book doesn't directly translate to the silver or small screen. Yes, but I feel as though Sandman is something that's kind of important enough as a comic book that you should try to go as close to possible or not at all. I I agree, and that's like one of my problems. And like you said, I'm not we're not taking off the measuring stick, but I have reread Sandman at least five times in my life, um, and I always get something new from it. So like I have like high high expectations, and that's my own my own fault. So we'll see. I don't know what could take it to mess it up, and I understand they tweak stuff because they have Jenna Coleman as as. Uh, uh, Jenna, like Constantine or whatever, and it's like, oh, okay. And everybody's like, oh, she was in the book, but I was like, yeah, she was in the Middle Ages where John was in the the, the, the present. They go, oh, well, maybe it's her. And I'm like, no, she's wearing a trench coat. I don't see too many trench coats in the Middle Ages. So, but I get it, and I give it a free pass because it's Jenna Coleman. Really like Jenna. Uh, um, see, that's so. This is where you and I are going to different. You differ. You. Uh, you know, give certain actresses a pass. Right, right. Maybe I, I would not, you know, because I'm a no. miserable, rotten person. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, but like then there's going to be changes and when and any changes are going to bother me. Like this is my pinnacle of comic book storytelling. So yes. and you kind of have to change it. And then they move it forward to like today. So like if you try to do like 24 hours in a diner uh, when or like certain stories when there was no cell phones, you know what I mean? And like now like things can be solved with a cell phone call. Um, it's, it's very different. So like, I'm like, Oh, how's it going to be? And then the only other thing that always throws me off is I don't like reviewing shows with you when they been, when they drop all of them at once. I think we discussed this before. I'm just like, ah, I don't know how many, I don't know how many episodes I'm going to need for this week. Yeah. I, I have the time to blow through 10 on my own where you're like, Oh, I did three. And I'm like, Oh, well, I did 10. Where did you leave off? What? I don't want to spoil anything. So where was this? And that kind of like, that kind of bothers me. Like three, three episodes dropped at once. I'm like, okay, we can kind of do, I'll make Joe power through it somehow, but 10, there's no way you're sitting down and watching 10 by the next week. If I really like it. Yeah, absolutely not. That's just a, a sheer impossibility. Right. Right. Uh, so we had mentioned uh, before Marvel uh, switching around some of their licensed properties. We talked a couple weeks ago that Conan was going to be done, and mm-hmm. it looks as though Titan, of all people, Titan, I think, who has Doctor Who. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Hopefully there'll be Conan-Doctor Who crossovers. Oh, one can only dream. <laughs> I saw somebody on social media today tweeting about a Doctor Who Van Halen crossover, so... Okay, I didn't see that. Yeah. Um, no, they just said that Sammy Hagar in concert looks like a lesser-known doctor. <laughs> okay. And doctor just... was capitalized, so I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so Titan has picked that up. Um, it looks as though they are not going to be launching a new ongoing until next May. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it looks as though as part of their deal... Uh, one, they're able to do their own printings of any of the previous Marvel and DC stuff. Right. And they also, and we had talked about this before, that they also have Call the Conqueror, Dark Agnes, and Solomon Kane, who I guess are like barbarian-type characters as well. No. No? I don't know about all of them. Call, maybe. Call was... I think Cole was first before Conan, so he okay. might be a barbarian. Solomon Kane is like a puritanical guy who fights supernatural stuff in like America in the like or somewhere in the 1600s, 1700s. I don't know. I, he has like two flintlocks, um, and I don't know the other the other property. He's written a couple of different like genres of characters over over his career. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they, they have some interesting characters that they're going to be building up their little universe over there with. It's interesting to see them being able to get the uh, rights to the Dark Horse and the Marvel stuff as well. Yeah, which kind of I was talking about this with somebody at the shop the other day, like because like Conan had left. Like a lot of people are going to be ticked off because they were kind of close to having 
all the Marvel Conans put out in omnibus form from Marvel with the same, like, you know, trade dress and everything. Sure. Which makes me think, like, oh, so let's say uh, Conan was 213 issues or whatever. Well, here's the omnibuses of 108, uh, 218 issues. Uh, we have one left, but you're never going to get it. They're going to they're gonna start their own omnibuses from here on out, and you have to rebuy them or whatever, which kind of sucks, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. But hopefully they get some good creative team, teams on those books, and, you know, we'll see where that all goes from there. Right. Uh, but Marvel uh, has picked up the Planet of the Apes license. Right. Uh, if you're a listener of the uh, Patreon show Previewing the Past, uh, you'll know that who Adventure had the rights to the Planet of the Apes stuff for a very long time. Right. And then IDW has had it more recently. And uh, even further back, like when the movies were coming out, I think they were being put up by Gold Key. Yep. Way back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, I guess now Marvel for the first time has them. Uh, So, yeah, just an interesting pickup. You know what I mean? I don't know how strong the Planet of the Apes license is these days. I know a lot of those newer movies... Uh, were good and successful, but this is very much the look and the feel of the 60s, 70s Planet of the Apes stuff, at least in the uh, the initial promotional material that we've seen of this. Right. When you were talking about, like, the publishers had it, did you say Marvel had it once before? Uh, it looks like Marvel did, like, according to what I'm just seeing here, just, like, on the bibliography of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um... It looks as though Marvel did, like, adaptations of the movies, but nothing like new stories. Right, because all I see here as I'm looking it up, it says that Marvel did uh, magazine-sized format, black and white stuff like that. And I was like, I don't remember if they were actually the, the, the movie adaptations or if they were new stories. I don't remember, so I'll have to look that up. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. There's another one, just an interesting pickup. You know, obviously, Disney, Fox, Marvel, it's all under the same umbrella. Um, But I don't think there's really been anything with the Planet of the Apes license in quite some time. I know there was that, like, Green Lantern Planet of the Apes thing a couple years back. Yep, and there was a Planet of the Apes Star Trek crossover, too. Yeah. And I think there was something that I don't know if he did the writing on it, but he definitely did the forward of it. One of my favorite comedians, Dana Gould, is a big Planet of the Apes guy. So mm-hmm. uh, that's the only reason that I knew that they did something there. Oh, you know, you know what it was? It was a graphic. He did the script of a graphic novel adaptation of the original story that Planet of the Apes was based on. OK. At IDW. Right. So there you go. Um, yeah, so again, interesting to see what Marvel will do with this property as well. True. Uh, last but not least, uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, uh, as the first issue came out, the Marvel Fortnite crossover book, Mm -hmm. kind of in the same vein as the DC one, where you get your five issues, each, each issue has a digital redeem code for exclusive in-game stuff. Um, you know, and I don't know how this stuff works, but like, I thought it would just be like, oh, it's just like a new skin every time. Right. 
Mm-hmm. But the way that it works is like the first issue is like a new exclusive Spider-Man outfit. And then there's like different things in the game, like a pick pickaxe and a loading screen and a this and a that and a something. And then when you redeem all five codes, you get a sixth special something, right? Right. But you have like you can't get that sixth thing unless you've redeemed all five previous codes. Right. Now, just like with the DC one, uh, you know, obviously there's a book that was in high demand when it came out. We're like, hey, don't forget DC one. Uh, I read the blog post that Mike Sterling put up as a retailer, kind of his experience with all this. So what ended up happening with the DC one was there was a huge rush when the book first came out. And then eventually second printings and even third printings came out. And when those second and third printings came out, the new people coming to the store didn't care if they had a first edition, second edition, first printing, second printing, whatever, right. as long as it had the same digital redeem code. Like if I have the first print, it has one code of issue one. If I have the second print of issue one, it has a different code, et cetera, et cetera. Right. They didn't care. Right. They just wanted the code. Um, however, Marvel has announced that with the second and third and et cetera printings of the book, the books will not have the in-game redeem code stuff. Big mistake. Huge mistake. Um, I'd, I, I certainly hope that this is an oversight and a mistake that they are going to attempt to correct. Because if they don't, uh, and I am their business partner in this venture, Fortnite, um, I would be very upset about this. Uh, I agree. Um, you know, because obviously DC can in perpetuity print those books with that code in it and people could redeem those. I think the codes, if I remember correctly from when my kid was getting them, like, you know, when you get the Marvel digital redeem gimmicks, it mm-hmm. says like, oh, it's only good for like one year from the time that you purchased the book. Whereas I think the Fortnite stuff, it said it was like five years that it was good. Right. Now, would it be from the time you bought the book or the time it was published? The time it was published. Right. Because you could buy that 10 years from Right. Now, I will say this. Um, you know, we've discussed this on the show before that Marvel changed the way that you redeem the digital codes for their books. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. Sometimes there is the actual code in the book that you have to type into the website. Some books, you have to take the picture of the cover and send it in through their site. Mm-hmm. And again, there's no rhyme or reason as to like, it's always these books or it's always these books. It's just haphazard, right? Yeah. Um, it makes me think that I should go through the shop when I'm there this week and like, just grab like a stack of like amazing Spider-Mans. Right. And right. see if all of them are the code or if all of them are the picture of the same issue. You mean? Yeah. Okay. Um, so when Fortnite came out, you know, my kid took the, uh, which we'll call it like, there's like a different like insert for the code that you put in, for Fortnite, because it's a different site that you go to or in-game or whatever it is. So he grabbed that and he put that in, right? There was no actual, if there was a code, the code might have been on that piece that was inside the book. So I took the picture and I sent it in, right? To get my free digital redeem of the book. I paid for it, I'll get it, right? Right. Uh, so yesterday, I get an email from Marvel Customer Service that says, uh, thank you for contacting Marvel Customer Support. To help address this issue, emails were sent out on the evening of June 8th from Marvel, uh, which provided a special one-time digital code and redemption instructions to unlock the skin in 
the Fortnite game. Um, if you did not receive this email, which I did not, or believe that you should have, please reply to us with the picture, um, so on and so forth, showing the date and time of purchase, and we'll be happy to assist you. Um, you may purchase print copies of one from your local retailer, uh, sign up through a paid subscription uh, to Marvel Unlimited and read the issues there starting in September. Um, okay, so uh, so this is a new added wrinkle here. Um, so go buy the issues or sign up for a paid subscription of Marvel Unlimited and re read all five issues starting at the end of September and receive codes for the the bonus digital items. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, uh, do not create a new ticket, um, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but I never contacted them to get the skin this way. Okay. So it's weird that I got this email on that date, but it's actually interesting that if you sign up for their digital unlimited service, you'll still get the skins that way. Okay. Um, I really don't have any skin in this game. No, right. I, I get it, but there's people that do. All right. No, and but it's, it's a big, you know, it's a, I, you know, I'd say it's a bigger story, a bigger, a flub, no. you know, I'm, I'm with you. And this is what I'm saying as a per I'm going into this as a person who doesn't know, like doesn't understand Fortnite so or any of that stuff? But I'm looking at it as like coming into a comic shop, and I don't I don't know anything about comics either. I don't know anything about digital codes. Blah blah blah. You're explaining to this, and my eyes are glazing over, Joe. So can you imagine somebody who's just coming in for the comic to get the things that they want, and then it's like you're making to me you're making this unwieldy and hard to the people you want to buy more of your product. If that makes any sense. Yes. I'm completely lost on, on everything you're saying. And I'm like, how lost is somebody who is fresh off the street going to be? Right. Maybe they'll know more than me and, and be able to, to handle it. But I don't know. This just seems unwieldy, man. That's all I got. Yeah. It, it definitely seems like a, a poor choice. Mm -hmm. Um, all, all ways around, you know? Yep. Yeah. Uh, but that's it for the news. Uh, conventions this weekend. Uh, there's a bunch, actually. Um, we'll start, we'll, 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 we'll end strong as this weekend is the Oklahoma City Pop Culture Con. Uh, less a comic book convention, more of a, you know, celebrity sort of thing. Um, Jose Canseco is going to be there. I know somebody who likes him. Uh, I wonder what Jose Canseco would have to speak with some of the other people that are going to be there. Uh, like Brutus, the barber beefcake, Jake, the snake Roberts, broski. I wonder what they would have to talk about. I don't know. Could be lots. Could be anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, also, uh, there's the Mississippi comic book convention this weekend. Again, not so much comic book folks, more so uh, media type folks. Uh, Kevin Conroy, Tara Strong, John Glover, you know, uh, voice acting type folks. Mm -hmm. uh, Anna Jay and Britt Baker from All Elite Wrestling are going to be there. Right. As well as uh, Christina Ricci is going to be there. Hit me up, Christina. If you need to borrow the copter to head down to Mississippi this weekend. I, I, I mean, $80 for a selfie or a photo op? I'm in, Joe. Is that it? It's 80 bucks. 
yeah, when you click on each one, it gives you the it gives you the Iggy when you touch them. So anybody you want to know mm. while I'm here? I don't know if you should be touching these people, Todd. Uh, Kane is a uh, $40 autograph, $40 selfie. Uh, combo is 60 and a professional photo op is 50 So I guess you save 20 bucks if you get an autograph and a selfie, Joe. You know, I'll pass on Kane. Thank you very you much. pass on Kane? He's the, he's the big red machine, Joe. He certainly is. I, I do like that the uh, AEW ladies are all TBA, TBA. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to set that price when you see how how uh, sketchy the customers are. Oh, boy. It's a sliding scale. Yeah, I'm sir. mad that Kevin Conroy just has an autograph, a selfie, the combo, and the professional photo op. But he should definitely have 100 bucks, and I'll do your cell phone vo- uh, voicemail. Yeah, he, uh, him or Kevin Conroy, I'd say. Yes. Uh, but the biggie this weekend, I would say, Todd... Uh, this weekend is Heroes Con in Charlotte. Oh, yes. Uh, nary a media guest to be seen. Just pure, unadulterated comic book folks. Uh, Chris Bacallo, Mark Bagley, Chris Claremont, uh, Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, Cully Hamner, Tony Harris, Jonathan Hickman, Stuart Imanen, uh, Carl Kessel, uh, Walt Louis Simonson, Scotty Young, Jim Steranko. <laughs> uh, it's and again, that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? This is one of those uh, bucket list cons that I'd love to get a chance to go to one day. I've been to this one and it's a great, great con. Uh, yeah. I always joke I only went to this once because it's such a long drive away. But this is where I want to say the retailer got his Spider-Man two, and I got my Flash one ten, which was oh okay, which was the first appearance of. Uh, Wally West so and the Weather Wizard I believe and I do believe I might have a picture around here somewhere I'll have to go look for it of us really haggard looking and tired holding our conquests in our hands awesome Uh, so yeah so the links to those conventions all the stuff will be in the show notes uh, with this episode along with information about soon to be named network soon to be named network.com soon to be named network.tumblr.com all the shows, all our friends, all the stuff they put out anytime one of their shows go out. Of course, you can get it off their individual sites or podcatchers or whatever it is. But it's just a one-stop shop for everything. Anytime the shows go out live or anytime the folks uh, are on other shows and they let me know, you could find it here. And that includes, of course, this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Profane Argument. Puzzle Warrior 3, We Need Wrestling, if I didn't already say that, Final Wrestling Place, Wings on Wings, Porch Talk, and Hit My Music. Uh, This week's uh, Wings on Wings was DJ and Doug doing the One Chip Challenge. Yep. Were you there for that live, or did you hear about that? I know you uh, sometimes go to the palatial DJ estates. No, I, I know they did it once before, I guess. And they were doing it this time. And um, I only know of it from uh, the the tweets and stuff like that. But are they just crazy, son? I, I yeah. want nothing to do with that. I mean, now, if you want to do the one chip challenge on After Dark, nope. I'll let you go ahead and do it. You mean like one plain Lay's potato chip? Absolutely. No, you can't. You can't stop with just one Lay's, Joe. Yeah. 
Ugh, I'm not Jay Leno. I can I can certainly stop. Okay. Uh, but yeah, anytime any of the shows go live, of course, you can find them over at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, be sure to check out our friends' stuff. I mentioned Mike Sterling's blog, that's progressiverune.com. Uh, our friend Kevin's blog, masslibrary.com. Uh, Rick Williams, The Chop Shop, all those cool uh, resin, glow in the dark, uh, 3D sci fi fantasy wrestling uh, sculptures that he does. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters. Those are two longtime loyal, faithful listeners of this show that put out their own self-published comic books. The links to those are in the show notes here as well. Uh, if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. Comics on the Green, link to their Facebook page, does a lot of their business, notifications, new arrivals. Uh, pre-orders, that sort of thing, are done there. They do a fantastic mail-order subscription service. Whether you're getting your stuff sent to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, there's a chance you can get a sketch on the package from our good friend Becky. You can go check out her social media uh, to see her process, her sketches, her commissions, her prints, all the stuff that she does. Mm-hmm. And like I said, all this stuff is in every single one of our uh, show notes for every single one of these episodes. And uh, I guess let's get into uh, what we read this week, A. Eh? Yep, I think I'm going to start with the thing I read, Joe. Is that okay? Please. All right. Um, I'm starting with uh, the Bone Orchard Mythos, The Passageway, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Andrea Sorrentino. Um, and basically, this is just uh, a story about a geologist who gets a call and he has to go uh, to investigate this thing that's on this island where there's a lighthouse. Like, I, I'm not sure exactly where it is, but it's like a colder area, probably up in the Northeast. And he goes and we find out on the boat that while he's going, he's terrified of water and he's having like these flashbacks to something horrible happening. Um, and he gets to the Island and he meets the lady who runs the lighthouse. And we find out that there's only three main characters, the guy driving the boat, uh, the geologist and the lady in the lighthouse. Um, and he, he's there to see like something that's happened. He's like, I'm a geologist. Like what happened? She goes, well, this, this hole opened up. There used to be two giant boulders here. Now they're gone. Now there's just a straight down hole. And he's like, well, how far does it go? And she's like, it goes like forever. He's like, it can't go forever. And she's like, I don't know. I don't hear anything drop. So he's like, all right, I'm going to, you know, do some tests and uh, stuff like that. And the guy gets back in the boat and he goes and he just stays on the island and he ends up having conversations with the lighthouse keeper. And through a series of events, we find out how the lighthouse keeper and the, 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 guy, the captain of the boat know each other, blah, blah, blah. We learn more about uh, why the guy hates water and he's having these visions of his mother um, and stuff like that. And he's testing the, the hole. He's using like a drone and, and all this stuff. And, uh, like, and some, then some crazy stuff starts happening. I don't want to give too much away. Uh, but they're like, maybe people aren't the two people that he know that he met aren't what they seem. And it gets kind of, kind of strange and visions. And in the end, uh, like the story plays out. And it really has like a really weird ending as far as I'm concerned. And it doesn't say like to be continued. And I ended up reading the free comic book day one. Um, and I'm like, okay, maybe these will link together. 
and I really can't see any way that they link together. They're two separate stories. Um, uh, that being said, I'll, I'll get back to it with Andrea Sorrentino. His art is absolutely amazing. Moody, uh, the colors are like uh, like muted, like it's always overcast, and you you just feel creepy and cold from the art. He's one of my new like favorite artists since he was on uh, Green Arrow when I first saw him on Green Arrow in New Fifty Two. Um, I love it, but I ended up looking this up because I'm like, I know they're gonna do a bunch of them, and I'm like, oh, are these like intertwined or whatever? And I guess Lemire and Andrea were on a podcast, or one or both were on, and they're like. Uh, He's like, it's essential to both creators that the story could act as an entry point to the series, that they could be read in any order and still make sense. The connections between the books are an additional feature for more dedicated readers. Over a period or year or more, they're going to do like uh, like a hardcover, a maxi series, one shots, like another hardcover. So there's no rhyme or reason to the way they do it. And he says they've also worked out the whole story in chronological order. However, they do not plan to ever tell the full story, but rather show enough of the story that readers get a sense of it, told non-chronologically throughout the various standalone stories. This whole thing is designed to be interpreted by the reader. This approach was inspired by the work of a certain director. Can you guess who the director is? (laughs) Joel Schumacher. No, no. No. Uh, David Lynch. Yes. And not even not, like, you know, cause everybody says I'm predisposed to disliking yes. this director going in. I was like, this is very bizarre. There's no ending. It's just, they're just trying to make you feel creepy. I don't understand why the one character ends up doing what they do to the geologist. It makes no sense. And then in the, in the, in the, the hole that they find, there's like a thing called, like uh, something of the thousand black feathers. They're like, well, that's one of the uncut upcoming stories. And I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. Like it looks beautiful, but I don't understand what happened here. Um, so I, I enjoy, I, I enjoyed the art, but I do not feel me uh, feel that I'll be reading any more of these, if that makes any sense. Uh, even before you got into the information with the interview um, <laughs> and like what their inspiration for this was, I was sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is going to go like the uh, reckless model, like um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Brubaker's doing, right? Where it's like right. a series of graphic novels. But now when you get in that there's like different, you know, it's going to be told in different mediums. It's not just going to be a series of graphic novels. There's going to be mini series. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. It could be told, uh, you know, it's being told not in chronological order. And I'm thinking to myself, and I'm just comparing it because at least in theory, on paper, the idea of this feels very much like image letting Lemire and Sorrentino do essentially whatever they want to keep them away from like Substack or something, right? Okay, maybe. Um, not to say that Lemire isn't doing stuff on Substack. He's kind of taking his Dark Horse stuff over there. Um, but I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, and then as you're adding more and more layers to this, I'm just thinking, I'm like, this all feels needlessly elaborate. Like a David Lynch movie, but go ahead. Okay. And listen, I I think I was just at the wrong time where the David Lynch stuff was hitting. I never got into it. I saw Lost Highway in the theaters when that came out and it mm-hmm. did zero for me, you know? Right. And, uh, Mulholland drive, the same thing. 
Um, you know, when I get as a creative person, you want what you're creating to be told and consumed in a certain way. Um, I'm not sure if you knew this on Mulholland Drive. Um, you can't um, fast forward on the DVD. Yes. You told me that when you told me yeah. that on an after dark, I think I blew my top, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, and I get that Lemire and Sorrentino want to leave this open to interpretation. Um, and that's fine. I'm a fan of both of their work, but this definitely just feels like they maybe are catering to a different audience that doesn't include me. And that's the way I look at it because, um, not so much like, uh, Jeff Lemire as a writer, like he did a sender and descender and Sorrentino's drawn a ton of different things that I've loved. Um, and I, uh, what was the book they did together? My, my mind is slipping. Um, Gideon falls, Gideon falls. That was beautiful. That was horrific like that. Um, but this, this is an NFT, like all joking aside, this is not for Todd. I tried it. You know, I'm not going to bag on it and say it's terrible. It is what it is. If that's what you like, maybe you'll like it. But it, I, every once in a while on this show, we try something new and we hit something that's not for us. And that's what this was. Or for mm-hmm. me, anyway. You know, I won't speak for you. I don't have a mouse in my pocket. Oh, boy. So. Well, my book is a little bit more lighter, a little bit more straightforward, a little bit more fun, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this would be the book Do a Power Bomb Number One, uh, written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. I mentioned last week uh, he came into my purview doing the Beta Ray Bill series over at Marvel. And there was just something about the feel and the look and the energy of that book that just was something. It kind of grabbed me, you know? Um, and this just kind of became a creator that I'm like, I'm going to keep an eye on. So then he puts out a book that's involving wrestling and I'm like, sign me up. Right. Um, so the long and the short of this book is, and again, I, I don't think I'm going to, you know, spoilers, spoilers beware, but I think, you know, we're, we're good to kind of go forward with this. Um, it's very heavily involved in the world of wrestling. Um, Hmm. They, you know, it it kind of rides the line between kayfabe and shoot regarding what's going on. Um, you know, the the beginning of the book is a match between Yua Steel Rose, uh, who is the Tokyo Grand World Heavyweight Champion, taking on Cobra Sun. Uh, there's an incident in the match, maybe intentional, maybe not, um, that causes one of the competitors to become injured. Um, to a permanent end, perhaps, then the rest of the book is keeping that person's sibling as far away from professional wrestling as possible. Okay. And obviously this person, not only one, was raised on professional wrestling and wants to get involved in professional wrestling, but also wants to avenge what they feel was the wrongful, intentional death of their parent. Okay. So it's a story of redemption. It's a story of, you know, if you're kind of like, and obviously you could make the argument here, professional wrestling, martial arts, that sort of thing. So it's very much in the vein of that sort of stuff. Okay. Uh, But this is another book that it's the art, the energy of this, the art in this book. Daniel Warren Johnson is just amazing. There's like these full page splash pages and there's sound effects and crowd shots and close-ups and all these sort of things. And even though he has a little bit of an exaggerated anatomy sort of stuff, um, it's more of a stylized than exaggerated. 
you know, you're dealing with real life people, not monsters or creatures or anything else like that. But you know who every character is. Like, no two characters blend together. Um, everyone has their own unique feel and style and anatomy and the way that they are presented in the book. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this book quite a lot. Um, if mm-hmm. you... Uh, like Daniel Warren Johnson stuff before, if you're a fan of professional wrestling, um, what inspired him to write this book in the little back prose matter uh, in the book? And again, I'm not giving away like the big cliffhanger of the story. Um, was he had a new child and staying up with his new child, he started watching New Japan Pro Wrestling about four years ago. And that was the first time that he ever watched wrestling like in a serious manner. And that kind of got him involved with becoming a bigger wrestling fan. And then the inspiration for this book as well. Right. Um, as you were telling me of it, I know you said that like it, it leads into the martial arts kind of a deal. Um, like we said, like when the, you know, the, the, the person is hurt or, or, or actually I think you said uh, killed. Um, uh, I said a, I said compromise to a permanent end. Let's say right. I didn't know. Like <laughs> that, that, that sounds like kill. Yeah, there's an me. anniversary coming up this weekend. You know, whatever. Okay. Um, I don't need to know anymore. But what I'm saying is, it made me like immediately. I thought you were gonna go, and you almost had me. Almost had me hooked. Where you said like somebody comes to like maybe avenge this, and I'm like I'm looking for the man who power bombed my pa, kind of a deal. So I was thinking western, but when you went martial arts, I was like, all right, I'm out. Yeah, no, and listen, it's it's I I I know it's definitely not a book for you, mm-hmm. Todd, but you know, and it's just kind of in that vein of like a you know a Shang Chi, Iron Fist sort of book where just replace martial arts with professional wrestling. Sounds delightful. Yeah. Uh. So, Todd's book is a thumbs down of his own volition. Mine is a thumbs up on everyone's volition. So there you go. <laughs> that's what we read last week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday at noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is, you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd is currently... In the lead with five correct guesses over me. Um, I don't, even though Todd has a glut of books this week, I, I can sit here and scratch my chin and say, oh, Is it this? Is it this? Is it that? Is it this? Because it's I Hate This Place number two. No, it's Aquaman. Fl- no, it's, it's I Hate This Place number uh-huh. two. I'm with you. I And I was going to do the joke. I'm like, no, no, it's not I Hate This Place number two. It's the alternate title for that book, Joe. Oh, boy. So you don't get a point. But, yes, that's the book. And just to make this real easy and help make this a short show, um, I'm going to say that's the same book for you? It is. Okay. A uh, friend of the show, friend of us, uh, previous guest on the show, Kyle Starks. Uh, as the writer of that book, um, you know, hey, I know we sold a couple uh, by pushing it and having them on the show. Hopefully you enjoyed it enough to go pick up issue two. Uh, so uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this show, 
past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or uh, the current in-placeholder of Todd and Joe Have Issues, a.k.a. Todd and Joe Go Rogue, with the silver standard, the battle for second place. We all know The Flash has the best rogues gallery in all of comics. Who is the second best? I think it's Spider-Man. Todd thinks it's Batman. We've taken the dregs, the bottom of the barrel of their uh, villains. We pit them against each other in a tournament bracket put together by listener Grinch McScrooge. And uh, we're already into the second round and we're getting uh, heads up matchups between Batman villains and Spider-Man villains. Yes, sir. And the results from last week as Todd pit two of his against each other. Uh, the Eraser, who was a round one winner against the Grasshopper, who got a round one bye. And Grasshopper moves on to the next round. Ooh, good work, uh, Grasshopper. I, I was, you know, I, I sent the reminder tweet out today, and it was tied. And before I left the house today at 5 o'clock, Eraser was in the lead. And then right before we started recording, I saw, you know, like you look at the poll and it'll say how much time is left. And it said minus 15 minutes left. And I go, oh, I guess the poll's over. And I clicked on it and Grasshopper was the winner. There you go. So Grasshopper moves on and we are back to um, Batman versus Spider-Man villain matchups. So, uh... You want to go first? Yes, because I believe mine has already been done. So, um, uh, yes, mine is the bouncer. Um, as I discussed, if you want to know, like in depth, I believe it was Longbox Heroes episode uh, six ten, where I go into explaining it. But the long and the short of it is a guy who invented this material that he could put in his body, and he decided to, you know, hey, I'll make a full, you know, body onesie with a helmet. And uh, naturally, the color I want is poop brown, so I chose that, and I have the ability to bounce around, and Batman defeated me with a small room, so I bounced myself unconscious. On to you, Joe. All right, so uh, my pick is a newer Spider-Man villain. I've noticed that uh, a lot of my picks for bad Spider-Man villains, most of them, not all of them, but most of them, are newer villains, ones that have been created within the last, like, 20 years. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, just because those classic Spider-Man villains from the 60s up to, like, the, let's say, late 70s are all perfect and there's nothing wrong with any of them. Sure, sure. Uh, but mine, like I said, is a newer uh, uh, creation from the mind of uh, Dan Slott. And uh, her name is Paper Doll. Uh, she has the ability to make herself flat. And she also has the ability to make other things flat by squeezing the bodily fluids and organs out of them. Ooh. Um, she could turn her flat parts of her body um, into, like, swords and stuff, which doesn't make any sense. Um, but how did she get her powers, Todd? Uh, well, as a child... She fell into her father's dimensional compressor machine, which, you know, all people just have in their houses. Okay. Uh, As a child, because of her accident, she was stuck inside, and she watched the films of Bobby Carr, who's just a fake uh, actor in the Spider-Man universe, um, who is essentially like a clay-faced knockoff, but he didn't, like, have, like, real powers. He just, like... 
used like some sort of like mute growth hormone to be like gassed up so he could be an action star, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby Carr ends up dating Mary Jane when Peter and Mary Jane were no longer together. She goes to attack Mary Jane um, because she's in love with this Bobby Carr guy, and that's how she becomes a Spider-Man villain. Um, but what is her shoot name, Todd? Uh, I don't know. Um, of course, if your name as a supervillain is Paper Doll, your alias, your real name, is Piper Dolly. It's a great name. Nothing wrong with that. No? No. Uh, but yeah, uh, her power is that she could become flat. Uh, let me know when you're done. I'm done. Okay, couple of things. You're like, doesn't make any sense. She can arms could turn into swords. Swords are flat. Her powers are flat. Makes perfect sense to me. Number two, uh, just happen to have a what kind of compressor laying around their house? It's not, it's not an air compressor. It's a it's a multi dimensional compressor. Multi dimensional compressor. How many how many Marvel characters have like had their powers just from? Stuff laying around. Hey, Spider-Man found a black costume. Just walking up and push, mashing buttons on a machine. So by that, you know, by the transitive properties, Venom sucks. You know what I mean? Um, mm, I could make an argument. Uh, I, think, okay. I think it was number 27 on my list. <laughs> okay. But, like, you know, th- that's... But the idea of, honestly, and this isn't me just trying to, like, you know, get the, get the win here, but the idea of somebody who has the power to like flatten somebody by like just taking like their organs and all the, the fluid like that sounds like something that like in a mo- like in a comic maybe not so much but like a like visually like somebody was thinking down the road they're like this is going to be the Spider-Man villain that's going to look great on the the silver screen when it when all the effects come and he she just collapses somebody and with the 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 CGI from the boys they just have to do it from bodies exploding, do it in reverse, Joe. And you have yourself an amazing villain. Do I just want do I just move her on to the next round now or I don't know. I think I'm gonna bounce on to the next round, Joe. Mm, maybe not. Right. Uh, but you, the listeners, will be the one who decide this. The poll will go up Wednesday around noon Eastern time, and the poll will be live for a week right before we record next week's show. And then uh, we'll see. We're about uh, we're about at the halfway point, give or take uh, a week or two here. Right. Uh, so that is that. Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did. We had two um, from Chris Rose. Two. Two. Um, he sent in. He's like, we recently announced new merch coming in July. Today, I got the original art from the main design launching July fourth. Um, I'm looking at it and I guess that's like, you know, gonna, I can't, you know, argue with somebody who has an artist do, you know, a look for their merch and, or their show, because I know a podcast that did that. I think that's really cool. Anytime, you know, you can get yourself, uh, drawn by an actual artiste on especially beautiful art, uh, like an actual art page. Um, the only thing was they didn't say the name of the artist and I'm looking and it looks like the name is like Dan ebanks but i can't be 100 percent sure because it's cursive uh because i just wanted to give the artist a shout out but uh yeah i think that's really cool yep that's uh chris who did battle monsters uh it looks like the same artist as battle monsters so you know that's really cool that's for his uh 
uh, podcast uh, that he does through the Patreon that I subscribe to. It's a good show. You should definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. And also, um, Annie the Kitty, someone we know, sent this in, but I don't believe it's hers because, as it says, um, hey, Todd's Art Attack, a customer got this amazing Bob McCloud Sauron, not the one from Lord of the Rings, the one from uh, X-Men. And that's a really cool piece, like, you know, with Sauron there. And there's a little Sauron telling him to settle down. That's a really nice. And I'm actually wondering if you know more about this piece than I do, because I have a feeling you told her to post this. No, I didn't, actually. Um, when I saw Becky at the shop this past week, uh, it was like a big hi and goodbye thing. I was by myself. They were all busy doing work. There was nobody else at the shop. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to get a pizza. I'll see you guys later. Oh, okay. Like, you know, you know how my mind, like mine could get there if that makes any sense. Because, no. Like, well, because it wasn't hers. I just figured maybe it was there and you're like, oh, you should, you know, post that to Todd's art attack or something mm. like that. Cause I know you said you were going to give her the Iggy a couple of times. So. Yeah. I forget. Right. No, I gotcha. So I will say this. Um, I do like when people draw Sauron with still having bits of human hair on him. Well, you know, the hair's the last thing to go when you become a flying lizard. I guess. I don't know, Joe. Uh, so, yeah, thanks to anyone uh, who tweeted at us their art, whether they had stuff commissioned, pick stuff up, uh, or you yourself are a burgeoning artist and you want to share it with the world, just be sure to tag Tad's Art Attack, and we'll make sure to share it with the rest of our listeners. Yep. Uh, hey, you can support us uh, many different ways. You can make a purchase through our store, get a shirt, a pin, or a sticker with our fancy logo on them, and we'll get those sent right out to you. Uh, if you want more designs inspired by more shows, uh, this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, uh, At Odds With Wrestling, Final Wrestling Plays, Hit My Music, uh, you can head over to our Tee Public store, uh, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes 20 or 35% off everything this weekend and get those designs and everything from cell phone covers to notebooks and everything else in between uh, you can sign up for our Patreon patreon.com slash longboxheroes as, as little as a dollar a month is going to get you two bonus shows from Todd and myself uh, one reviewing the films of independent filmmaker Mark Pirro the other previewing the past looking at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. And I mentioned it every month, 30 years ago, it's 1992. <laughs> this is the rise of image. This is Marvel 2099. This is Death of Superman is coming up. This mm -hmm. is Bargain Basement Batman. It was just debuted in the June 1992 uh, previews catalog. Some say it's his first appearance. I've been hearing a lot of people say that. I don't believe previews are first appearances, but this one is. Right. If 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 none of them are, then this one definitely is. Exactly. Um, but that dollar a month also gets you the full scans of those preview catalogs. You know, even if you don't get a chance to listen to the shows and you just want to look at 30 years ago of what those previews catalogs looked like and what was solicited and everything else like that. These are professionally done, high quality scans <laughs> of those preview catalogs. <laughs> They are, they are. And uh, $5 a month is going to get you those bonus shows two weeks before everyone else. And it's also going to get you After Dark two days before everyone else so that you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Right. Uh, you could also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through. 
uh, banner at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. Affiliate link in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. Does not cost you anything extra. Amazon themselves call it a uh, advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, the Redmond brand 8,000 compost 65-gallon bin. That's what I drink out of. (laughs) A compost bin? Yeah, it's 65 gallons. Throw some Mm. ice, some liquor, you're good to go for the night. There's there's holes in it. You got to get some big ice, I think. That is true. Oh, I thought it was like a a trash can. It is, but like because the compost thing has like holes, so I guess the, the stuff could breathe. I'm not sure. I don't know anything about compost, so. Right. Uh, somebody also purchased uh, Stephen King's Finders Keepers. If he doesn't do a sequel called Losers Weepers, he's leaving money on the table. Yeah. Now, there's one thing Stephen King didn't used to leave on the table <laughs> back in the 80s. Especially during that movie he made. That's right. Go watch the tra- Go watch the trailer for Maximum Overdrive if you want to get it. And, and you'll read between the <clears throat> lines of what Todd and I are talking about. Right. Uh, somebody also purchased the uh, unabridged and annotated original classic, The Count of Monte Cristo. Right. Isn't that the story of how he invented the sandwich? Why well, I am always reminded of a joke from Preacher regarding that. Okay. Uh, I can't say that on the air. <laughs> I was going to see if you were, but go ahead. Nope. Uh, somebody also purchased a Jisoo Life. Brand personal bladeless neck fan. Sure, you don't want blades near your neck. That's right, because if you need your neck cooled off, <laughs> a blade isn't the way to do it. That's right. I need my neck beard cooled down. Joe. That's right. Uh, and somebody also purchased uh, the 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray digital blah 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 of Dune. And no, it's not the David Lynch version of Dune. It's the uh, new one that came out last year. <laughs> you beat me to asking the question, Joe. I never saw the uh, David Lynch Dune. I'm aware of it, though. Right. I've only seen bits and pieces. So I, We may have talked about this, but didn't they try to get David Lynch to do Return of the Jedi and he turned it down to do, to make Dune? He might have. I know yeah. the guy who directed Empire was slated to do it, but he needed a, a longer break. And they're like, no, no, we need this out in three years. He's like, how about five? And like, no, no, three. He's like, I'm out. Give it to David Lynch, that young yeah. up-and-comer. But anyway, thank you to anyone and everyone for all of the purchases, whether it be this week, this month, this year, or this whenever. Uh, every purchase is greatly appreciated. Yes, sir. All right, so that's enough of the main show. Uh, let's get into the TV shows that we watched this past week, and I'll uh, let you kick things off, eh? Yes, with part five of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, it starts out with, you know, years ago, and actually I think it says, somebody said somewhere it was like 13 years ago at the point of this, of Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Anakin and Ben are having a lightsaber uh, battle, like a, uh, like, uh, sparring on Coruscant um, and that will like transcend I'm not going to hit every beat on it but as it transcends through the the episode it like it explains like their 
like their strategies and how their strategies play out in the show, like how they know each other. And I thought that was kind of cool because it because it, it rhymes. I was going to um, say, was it like poetry, Todd? Is that what yes. you were going to say? Yes. Um, so Vader, you know, has is has tracking. Uh, uh, them to Jablim, I believe is the name of the planet. And while they're on their way, he ends up promoting Riva to Grand Inquisitor. Um, they get to the planet and through the uh, tracking device in Lola, Leia's little sassy robot, um, it, they end up activating it and it ends up like locking down the facility so they can't take off. So they're like, oh, we have to kind of, you know, like, st- like, stop them from coming in until we can get these doors open. Um, because I know what Vader's going to do. All the lightsaber sparring. He's like, he's just, it's not going to end well. We have to get out of here. So, uh, they end up, uh, start stalling for time. Ben does like, uh, he ends up talking with Reva d- through the door and they end up establishing. He's like, all right, the only way you could know that Anakin is Darth Vader is you were one of the younglings um, that, that got away or something like that when he attacked all the, the younglings and she's like, kind of, and he's like, well, let's team up. And he's like, no, I'm going to, I'm here to actually like destroy Vader, like y- using you, like, cause he's so mad. Um, I'm going to get my revenge. Um, I actually believe I kind of called that, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, so they end up actually uh, bursting the door open and they end up having to retreat to the, to fall back even further. And all the people who, you know, that this group is trying to save all out like an underground railroad thing. Um, they end up fighting for Ben and uh, what's her name? Is it Hala? I think is the character's name ends up uh, giving her life to save yes to save ben and he she ends up like uh destroying like a a thermite detonator and and kind of saving them and they get to another room and they're like okay we need a little more time to open up the door um at this point he gets a message from leia's father not ben i can't think of the the senator he's like he goes off and he takes he's like i don't know what's going on but i sent this i'm worried uh, what, you know, and Ben can't answer him back. Um, but he tells him, I'm going to go to Tatooine where the other kid is and, you know, I'll handle it. And Ben's like, oh, okay. So he ends up giving the message to the, uh, fake Jedi guy. And he says like, watch Leia, I'm going to go, I'm going to buy us some time. And he goes out and he tells Reva like, Hey, um, let's kind of like really team up. And she goes, well, he's like, when he comes for me, I'm giving you, you, me to distract him and then you can make your move. So she's like, okay, I I can kind of, you know, I can kind of see this. And she takes him back. Ben gets away and heads to the ship. Vader shows up, ends up like, you know, getting kind of through the doors. um, And they end up fixing Lola. They end up opening the, the doors and the ship tries to take off. And in a cool scene, Vader walks in, shuts the ship right down, destroys it, rips it open, but it's a fake ship and it takes off and gets away with all the people on board. But uh, the fake Jedi dropped the little messenger and it kind of broke. Um, so at this point, while Vader's distracted, Reva makes her move. And in one of the greatest, shortest lightsaber battles in the history of Star Wars, Reva gets her launch handed to her. Um, Vader stabs her, makes her, and I've heard this online, it made me laugh, turns her into a Sith kebab. Oh, boy. Uh, Right. 
<laughs> so she ends up, he's like, I always knew you were very easy to read. The first Inquisitor shows up, who was originally Sith kebabbed in the second episode, um, shows up and she's like, back to the, to the, uh, to the gutter where, where you were from, blah, blah, blah. And they leave and they leave her to die. But as we know, anybody who's a, uh, a uh, dark side Jedi doesn't matter what they do to you. Darth Maul cut him in half. Uh, Vader cut his legs off and his arms off. Drown him in lava. He lives. If you have enough hate, you could survive anything. To this day, I believe, at some point, if uh, what's his name was a guy alive, the actor who played Dooku was still alive. He he would just be a head on a robot, and they would have him because. You know, who needs Bakta tanks? Um, and in the end, they get away. And uh, But Reva finds the damaged messenger thing with uh, Bail Organa. That's his name, saying that he's heading to Tatooine. So she has the information of Tatooine. And we'll see where this goes. I like this episode just because I like when Vader is like full on Vader, man. And he just shows what a what a bad, bad man he is. Uh, I like this episode, too. Uh, I liked a lot of the practical effects that mm-hmm. we saw in this. I liked, like, the physical sets that we saw. Right. Uh, I liked the fake out of the fake ship. Uh, that was a good rib to play. Right. Um, I don't like that they continue. And I understand that why they're doing it and that they have to do it. But I hate when they flash back to stuff that happened during the time of the prequels. Right? Right. Um, they really leaned... Like, if you didn't get it the first time of the bit where uh, uh, Hayden Christensen pre, like, scarred up Darth Vader shows up to slay the younglings. Mm -hmm. If you didn't get it the first time they showed the bit where he shows up and he starts cutting down the little kids, you probably weren't going to get it by the seventh time they showed it this episode. Right. I felt as though they were really leaning on that footage to pad the episode just a smidge. Right. Um, I do like the duality of like Vader maybe remembering his time with Obi-Wan to try to get a one up on Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan remembering more or less the same thing in his way that he can get the one up on Vader. Um, I was sad, um, that they killed off, uh, Tala and the big robot guy. Yeah. Um, I like that she had a thermal detonator. I'm a sucker for a thermal detonator in the Star Wars universe. Right, because you know, Bib survived one. It didn't go off, so. Right. Nothing, nothing beats, like, a nice big practical explosion. Um, the fact that Leia didn't immediately know that uh, girl BB-8 was evil when she had red eyes. Well, I mean, she's still trying to figure out how to run right. Give her a break. Right, and apparently all you have to do is just put a restraining bolt on a droid, and we've seen restraining bolts in the past, like, shut a droid down, but in this instance, it was able to turn it evil. Again, I need more information on restraining bolts and how they work. I know a guy who knows about restraining bolts, uh, maybe? Bolts, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like, though, uh, even though I felt as though this was more or less like, oh, we need to get in there and work on the electricity. Who's small enough to get in there? I don't know. I'm not small enough to get in there. And then baby Leia is like, I'll do it. And everyone's like, you're just a baby, baby Leia. And Obi-Wan is like, if you trust me, I trust her. 
let her go do this, you know? And, and I, like the fact that he kind of um, is letting her be part of the mission as opposed to like, he is still protecting her and he is still trying to keep her safe. But like Obi-Wan is kind of finally like, okay, she's not just someone who I'm here to save. She is useful to what we're all trying to do here. Right. And Ugnuts probably built that. So you need somebody small. Yes. Did you call them Ugnuts? Yes, Ugnuts. Not an Ugnot. They're Ugnuts. I go I go hmm. Ugnuts for Ugnuts. Don't you have those hanging on the back of your truck? <laughs> I do. My Millennium Falcon has Ugnuts. Oh my goodness. Oh, that is the way, Joe. That is the way. Uh, but we only have one more episode of this left, right? What? We only have one more episode of this left, right? Yes. yes. And then, oh, and so the other thing is, uh, again, you say Bail Organa. I say Jimmy Smiths. It's Jimmy Smiths. Uh, he sent the thing to, to, to Obi-Wan, essentially just saying, like, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. Um, you know, if I don't hear from you by X amount of time, I'm going to head to Tatooine to check on the boy to make sure he's okay. The boy. To make sure he's okay. Um, And when Reva is looking at the busted thing, she's only getting like every other word. Tatooine is one of the words that she recognizes. Uh, Not Dantooine, but Tatooine. Uh, So that's where they're headed to. And then the show ends with a shot of baby Luke sleeping. Yes. Let me say this. I knew, you know, not Dantooine, because Dantooine's too far away to make a point. Um, And then... I'm like, if you're like trying to be all low keys, like, and and that's the one one thing that I didn't think about, like Bail Organa, aka Jimmy Smith, is like, okay, I haven't heard from you from a while, person. I won't say your name in case anybody is listening. Um, I'm gonna go check on the boy. I won't say the name in case anybody's listening on the planet Tatooine. If you're telling Ben, he knows everything that you're saying. <laughs> like, just say I'm going to see the boy. You. I'm going to see you know who, you know where, because you know why. That's it. Don't say Tatooine. Bad fly, Matt. Bad writing, Joe. Listen, we have to... This has been a globe-trotting adventure throughout the entire galaxy. Mm-hmm. We needed a way to get everyone on Tatooine for the big finale. Listen, I I'm really not hope, that upset by it. I really hope Vader... And I, and I hate to say this, I... Like, because I want to see Ben and Vader go at it one more time because that whole line is last time I was the master, you were the student kind of a deal. Um, I don't know if that means because he outthought him in this, he's the master. But I always felt the reason they hid Luke on Tatooine was because they always knew that Vader would never step foot on that planet again. And I don't like the idea of him maybe going to Tatooine again, if that makes any sense. Well, is he going to go? Because we know Reva's going. Right, but... but once Va- like, Are we going to get to a point in this episode where Vader realizes where they're going and then makes an excuse not to go there? Right, but then... So then is Obi-Wan tricking Vader and getting away, him being the master and Vader being the student? Sure. Do you, you know that line in New Hope, the last time we met? Yes. Okay. That's all I got. That's the only thing is like, cause that's what everybody was talking about. And it kind of went in my mind too, where he's like the last time we met. And I always thought that was back on, you know, uh, when he cut his legs off kind of a deal. So last, you know, right. anyway, I'm done now. Okay. Ms. Marvel. Yep. 
follow up from last week's episode. Kamala comes into school and she's got like a newfound swagger to her, which I thought was such a fun scene. Yep, because it was the opposite of exactly the way she went into school last time. Yes. Um, she has these powers now, so of course she's got a little bit of more uh, pep in her step, if you will. Uh, still has her little group of friends, but there's a new cute boy at school. Uh, she makes eyes at him. He makes eyes at her. There's a little bit of a connection. We'll see where that leads to. I'm sure nowhere. Lie. It leads somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, we do get the bits of Kamala and Bruno attempting to figure out how to use the powers. And again, another thing. I'm a sucker for the scene where the the superhero has powers and they don't know how to use them. And we get a bunch of training montage of them trying to figure out the powers and the best way to use them, right? Right. I'm a... Uh, I- I'm a sucker for it. Anytime in that training montage, when somebody slips and falls and somebody grabs them by the hand and they go, let me go, like, let me go save yourself. And then they fall and they were only hanging a foot and a half off the ground. Yes. That's, that's one of my favorite things all the way, even like to, you know, it's always sunny. I it never gets old. Now uh, they, they give us the throwaway line, um, you know, cause obviously she has uh, Kamala has the bangle, the little wrist gimmick, right? Mm-hmm. And Bruno postulates that the power is not coming from the bangle, the gauntlet, but whatever it is, it's unlock the power inside of her. Mm-hmm. So uh, Kamala can't ask her mother because when the package arrived, uh, the mother's like, it's junk, get rid of it. So she asks Kamala, asks her grandmother for information about it. Kamala said, Kamala's grandmother says it's the great grandmother, Sana's. So now Kamala is trying to find, and I'm going to kind of go all over the place just as I'm getting like the plot threads of things with this, no, right? I gotcha. Um, so then they're at a gathering for the mosque, and Kamala is asking a bunch of other inf- people information about Sana, and Sana appears to be the black sheep of the family. Yep. But there's a story that's told as Sana was a small baby. And as they were attempting to leave on a train, she got separated from her parents. But somehow, uh, Sana's father, who was limp and lame and walking with a cane, was still able to get Sana. Or Sana was able to get to him. So obviously there's some sort of familial connection. Right. And this is more or less all being set up as these were lies to hide these facts or these powers that Sana had. Or to keep them from Kamala or other people in the family. I kind of agree on that. Right. Uh, So we have the subplot with uh, Kamala and uh, her other friend, uh, Nakia, who is going to run for um, uh, a position on the mosque board. So we get a bunch of stuff with that going on. That's just a little side, side subplot over here that's kind of getting everyone mixed in with everything else that's going in on the show. Uh, Zoe, the popular girl at school, Instagram, whatever, um, because she's the one who was saved by Kamala Khan, uh, Miss Marvel at the Avengers Con, she's using that to kind of put herself over, get more Instagram followers in a very Flash Thompson-esque way. I think you mentioned that last week, that this is like Kamala Khan. If Kamala Khan's Spider-Man, teenage, high school superhero, then this Zoe is her Flash Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they end up getting uh, going to a party of hers because the hot boy is going to be there. Party gets busted for booze because they're all children. Eh, it might not have been because they were busted for booze. It might be because 
There's a tactical police force that are trying to track down whoever the superhero is. Um, Comron, the hot boy, is there, gives them a ride in the car. A little bit more of a spark between Comron and Kamala. And this is the beginning of where Bruno starts to get jealous because... I had hoped from last week's episode that this would just be a nice platonic relationship between a male and a female character. But it ends up, of course, that Bruno has a crush on Kamala. He ends up getting a free ride to Caltech. Uh, but, of course, it's on the other side of the country and he would have to leave Kamala. So he's him and Han on that. Right. Um, they are at the celebration for the mosque. There's some boy who climbed up a tower trying to get some sort of selfie for some reason. Why the plot dictates there needs to be someone in peril. <laughs> the boy is now in peril. So Kamala d- dons her still same costume that she wore from Avengers Con. Um, things are going great so far. And then maybe she gets a little cocky. Maybe she's a little inexperienced and kind of botches the save a little bit. Not like the kid is dead, but the kid like falls and like dents the hood of a car. Yep, and he yells my ankle, but, Joe, to yes. be fair, she's using her powers, and something we didn't mention in the first episode is when she uses the powers a bit, she ends up, like, seeing visions and stuff yeah. like that. So she ends up, when the like, when he, she almost saved the kid, she has this vision of this woman, like, reaching out to her, and that's kind of when she, like, loses her concentration, but ends right. up saving the kid. So you're like, oh, what's this all about, you know? Yes. So as uh, Kamala falls, that tactical force has a whole bunch of drones that are trying to corner her. She tries to make a getaway. She almost does, almost gets caught. And then Kamran shows up in his car, picks her up. Kamran knows that she has powers because his mother is there in the back of the car. And I assume, because there was a bit earlier in the show where she's out with Kamran, Kamala's out with Kamran, her brother and the brother's fiance shows up. She doesn't want the brother to know that Kamala and Kamran are on a date, so she lies and says that it's a distant cousin. It's like a whole bunch of, like, you know, your typical, like, lie that they're kind of sort of getting caught in, but not really. You can see the fiance knows that something's up, but the brother's a little clueless. Um, so I'm not going to say that they are related, but I'm definitely going to know say that the mother... Kamran's mother knows the truth about Sana and knows the truth about what the bangle does. Right. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm down with all that. And I do like the fact that uh, the group that's after Kamala is damage control. So they haven't said that they're damage control just yet, but it's damage control. Well, it, you, you have to kind of put it together I think they well they are damage control because they there was a sign for it somewhere and the initials are what damage control is either way so right uh, so I enjoyed this episode um, obviously they paired back a little bit of the stuff from the first episode where um, everything is kind of like all the stuff is happening in the background it was still here in this episode. But it wasn't as much as, as in pr- the the first episode. I'm with you. They cut it back. Basically, to me, what I liked was they cut back it all too fast. You know what I mean? I don't mind what they had. And that was trying what I was explaining last week. Um, it was like, okay, this is going on. The, the jump cuts and all the stuff moving in my eyes couldn't fall. This one was much more easy to get. And I liked the, the visual more. But, uh, yeah, 
I'm I'm with you. I'm a fan of the show. I don't love it, but you know, I, I like it. Yeah, it's 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 fun. It's light. I'm I'm good with it. Right. I want to see where it goes. Who's the villain? You know what I mean? Sure. And uh, I guess last but not least is uh, the most recent episode of The Boys, huh? That's right. Put the kids to bed. No, again, we're we could we could do this. We're we're old hat at this. We're professionals at this, right? I'm joking. Yeah, as of last week after the fight, I think we can do anything. Though looking at the name of next week's episode, I'm not sure. But go ahead. Yeah, well, you know, we really could mean anything, right? Yep. Uh, so I'm taking point on this. Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we start things off with uh, Ashley, who was the publicist, being promoted to CEO. Right. Of uh, Vought Industries. And uh, Homelander comes in for the first board meeting. And uh, poor Maureen, Todd. Maureen yep. just wanted to know what they're going to talk about on the earnings call. Are you think and, you're smarter uh, than me about that earnings call, Joe? You think you're smarter than me about this show? All right. And I know that you'd made some insinuations last week, and I know um, Anthony Starr, the guy who plays Homelander, made some references that he may have taken some inspiration for the way that he acts from uh, a certain president. Uh, but I don't know. I, I got I got some strong, uh, especially in the last, let's say, six days, I got some strong Vince McMahon vibes from Homelander as well. <laughs> oh, my God, you're horrible. Now, listen. $3 million go missing. I'm asking Homelander what's up. Right. Um, so she she's forced to leave the room. And again, as part of uh, everything that Homelander's in charge of, he's put the deep in, in charge of the crime analytics lab. Right. Ugh. And then we find out later in the show uh, that they're busted down to one person uh, be because <laughs> the deep found problematic tweets that weren't supportive of Homelander. So he oh. fired everyone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, Joe. I was like, <laughs> I like, because, like, me talking about this, because, like I said, I try not to get into it. Like, because I don't like when shows go this way kind of a deal. Like, not because I'm a fan of the, the, the former president, but because they usually do it heavy-handedly and terrible. Mm -hmm. This is done so well. Like, the way they do it had me cracking up and horrified at the same time that this kind of stuff happens, I was like, oh, my God, the deep is the worst at this. Yeah. Uh, you know, very much Homelander's just putting his cronies into positions that they're not qualified for. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we're going to kind of be all over the place with this, right? Oh, I got you, because I have strong feelings on certain things in this episode, but go ahead. So anytime I get to a point, of course, uh, you know, just chime chime in, as it were. Yep. Um, so Supersonic, um, or, uh, so, so there's the funeral for Supersonic, who sadly had a drug overdose, a relapse, of course. He definitely did not have his face peeled off by Homelander to send Starlight a message. Power move, go ahead. Right, very much a uh, power move. Um, and as part of him selling out Starlight, uh, A-Train, uh, gets a meeting with Blue Hawk, <sighs> and, uh, you know, Blue Hawk, you know, maybe he and A-Train have different feelings, uh, in regards to, you know, why and where he's fighting certain crime, and, mm -hmm. uh, actually negotiates it, that, uh, Blue Hawk is just gonna go to the, the city, 
Uh, is it Trenton where A Train is? I think so. I'm sorry. Trenton. Uh, yes, know, Trenton. Couldn't have been Jersey City because that's where Miss Marvel is, but I say close enough. Right. Uh, he's going to go to the little town hall, their town meeting, or whatever it is, and uh, he's going to give an apology, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Blue Hawk is also going to go above and beyond, and he's going to write a check for $10,000 to the community center. And uh, Todd, I, I know you're going to be surprised by this, but this maybe goes as poorly as anything ever in the history of the boys, which covers a lot of ground. Yes, it does. One, before we go any further, I'm going to say I knew A-Train was actually the one who betrayed everybody. So, I was I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. Right. I knew it. But when this goes, all I'm going to say is when I, I have goosebumps saying this right now, like how horrible this was and a good scene, like be, because it's horrible. When he comes out and he just slaps that speech out of his and he throws it down and he starts speaking fat like i want to get through this and then he starts doing the the hand gesture of like let's move this along to himself i was horrified joe horrified watching this i'm like like and i know it's a tv show no i'm not that stupid but i'm like read the room blue hawk you know what i mean oh my god it was horrible yeah. uh so uh of course things uh tempers flare a little bit uh, Blue Hawk, uh, you know, maybe his true colors show and he might rough up a few people, including uh, A-Train's brother, essentially crippling him. Yeah. Hey, Joe, soups lives matter, Joe. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. When he was chanting that, I was losing my mind, too. Go ahead. And uh, maybe is this going to be the thing that, like, makes A-Train realize that he may have backed the wrong horse with Homelander? Um, here's the thing. Uh, this show balances it very well. It is the thing that's going to teach A-Train that he backed the wrong horse. And two things are either going to happen. One is he's going to do something that's going to blow up his heart trying to save the day. Or two, this is going to be your third yet. You think he's going to do a face turn. And in the end, he's just like, yes, I, I do hate this company. But one, I don't want to die by Homelander. Two, maybe this is my chance to move up in the ranks. He's a dirtbag. All the all the people with powers are dirtbags. Except for Starlight, I guess. But I was anyway. gonna say, is Starlight a dirtbag? Um according is, to well, we get, I, was Kamiko a dirtbag? Um, well, Kamiko was one of them that it kind of was like, well, they were all forced upon them. I do think. That's the thing that we're going to get to. Cause like butcher later on in the scene, which is a great scene. And we'll get to is talking to Maeve and he's like, you're all monsters and you all have to go. And I'm like, okay, I can't wait to have this. He has this talk with starlight. And when he turns on Kamiko, even though Kamiko is no longer super, all stuff were uh, completely all over the place. No, So it's okay. Right. So you mentioned the butcher thing, him and Maeve, of course, cause Maeve is the one that's bringing, uh, Butcher and Huey, essentially, uh, the compound, the the, the V24, the temporary compound V, right? Yep, not anymore, but go ahead. Well, not no more, but uh, so Butcher and Maeve um, decide to share a drink. Uh, Butcher had been clean for a year, allegedly. Uh, Maeve had been clean for four months. And again, of course, people who are addicts, people who are going through trauma, uh, people who decide to revert back to the bottle after attempting to give it up, uh, of course, revert back into each other's arms, as we see here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Maeve then is uh, called into a meeting with Homelander, um, where, and again, I forget his name, who, Black Noir shows up. Yes. And uh, he, he just gives her an uh, escort to the Global Wellness Retreat in Malibu. Oh, okay. Uh, as, far as, as far as we know, right? Yeah, she's fine. Um, this scene, Joe, where he ends up like, he's like, I can smell Butcher on you. William. I don't know what you're... William, and, he calls him. Ugh. He, Joe, in that, I... You know how, like, because this guy is good. Anthony Starr is good. Like, I, I immediately puckered Joe when that happened. <laughs> and she, she's like, he's like, well, this was like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Was any of it real? And she goes, no. Like, I, I pitied you. And you could see him again you know, about to go off the rails. And I'm like, oh my God. And then she gets the help from Black Noir. Right. The escort. Like, oh my God. I'm like, this is so horrible. First of all, one, because uh, back of Butcher, but like anytime you ruin somebody's sobriety, you're a villain to me. Yes. Uh, and then this is just like, oh my God, how is this going to turn out? I really do hope that Maeve is okay. I think she kind of is for now. But we shall see. Definitely incapacitated to a permanent end, I can't say for sure. Right. Until I see a body, no. Yeah. You know? uh, so Starlight shows up at uh, Ashley's office, essentially asking for the whereabouts of Maeve. And that's where Ashley says that's where she is. Starlight makes that impassioned plea like, listen, Ashley, you don't have to do this. I know you're doing this to save your own hide. But, like, he's a monster. You're backing a monster. And you see a glimpse of Ashley almost kind of come around to Starlight's side. And then essentially just like, I'm the CEO. Get out and make an appointment. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh, we were so close. And then you mentioned before about Starlight, the actor who does it. There's always a part. And, like, he's – he. there's a part when he's having the the Homelander moment, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. It's his eyes. He gets a look. He gets a twitch. He gets a little bit of a flinch, right? Right. And it's the same every time, and it's perfect every time. Is it a tell? Yes. Should everyone this show know? Yes. Do we watching at home know because we've seen this up close and so many times? Yes. But that's the thing. Everybody else in the show hasn't been there for every one of these Homelander breakdown, meltdowns, things. But we, the viewing audience, have been. So we see the signs. We see the tell. And we just want to yell, get out now. You've had your chance. He twitched. You're done. (laughs) Yeah. And that high-pitched squeal that everybody gets, that is getting contagious, Joe. That people have, because before it was just Homelander, and now everybody else is having these cracking moments. And when they use that, it's like, oh, oh, like, you're no, you're no longer pure. You're broken. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do, now, do you think, and again, I forget her name, uh, but she was the guy in charge of Vought's daughter, the head popper. Uh, yes, the colonel, they call her. Do you think? Oh, no, she- no, I'm sorry. No, you know who I mean. Yes, uh, I, I know who Edgar's daughter, right? Right, Edgar's daughter. 
Do you think that whatever that all the soups are experiencing is maybe some sort of low level thing that she's gradually maybe doing? No, because the heroes have it too. Okay. It's not just the soups. It's like the boys, you mean? Right. Because in this, like, and like I said, we're jumping on when MM finds out soldier boy is back, his hand starts shaking and he gets that whistle. Okay. Huey's had that whistle. And Starlight, whether you say you say she's a hero, but uh, a powered person, she has that whistle. Um, every everybody's had it except for Frenchie, Kamiko, and Butcher, I believe. But yeah, it's run through some of the good guys. Okay, so again, I'm just you know I'm just throwing out oh, thoughts and I know ideas you're asking and, questions. You're asking yeah, yeah. Questions. I'm an I'm an asking questions guy. Right. Um. So again, like I said, I have a lot of notes. They're kind of all over the place. Um, so Soldier Boy's in New York City. He's walking around. He's getting acclimated to the way that things are. He's been kind of kept captive in Russia. We get to see a little bit of what they were doing to him while he was in Russia, which wasn't which wasn't great, right? Felt bad for him for a hot second. Yeah, well, that's like the first episode of the season where you're like you kind of feel bad for Homelander a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he hears um some like Russian music playing and it's music that was playing while he was being tortured. He has a freak out kind of like sets off his pulse, mm-hmm. kills a bunch of people. And then uh, how they're going to handle it is we're not going to investigate. We're not going to send anyone down there. We're just going to go and do the press junket. Right. Hey, uh, it's COVID. Everybody go out and see movies and you'll be right. fine. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. But I will say this. I love with uh, Soldier Boy when he's walking the streets before he gets upset by the music, like like all the little like things that are ticking him off. Oh, yeah. He's, he's walking. He sees the two uh, gay gentlemen like holding hands and kissing. And he's got like that look. And then he looks up and he sees like all the little things. I'm like, you're like, that's right. You got to remember Soldier Boy is from World War Two, man. Yeah. I was like, it's so well done, Joe. So well done. So then uh, we're introduced to the legend. Oh, my God. And this might be my favorite character in this episode, Joe. Uh, He's essentially uh, played by Paul Reiser. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's essentially, uh, and again, I forget, uh, Robert Evans, the movie producer. Right. Uh, He's the Robert Evans of the Vought universe, where Mm -hmm. he was the guy who was in charge of Vought before... Edgar. Edgar took over. And uh, he's got a lot of stories. Uh, you know, he's a mover and a shaker. He's met a, a lot butter- of people, known a lot of people. He's met uh, the whole cast of Falcon Crest, Joe. That, that's right. Maybe <laughs> dabble a little bit in some Spectrox. <laughs> yeah. Maybe lost a leg because of some of the stuff that he was involved in. Butcher. Um, Butcher. Because it was something with Butcher, he lost the leg. Yeah. Uh, but he, th- they know that Soldier Boy came there because uh, the legend had Soldier Boy's costume. Legends try to kayfabe them, but Soldier Boy wasn't there. They get it out of him. Soldier Boy was there to get the costume. Um, and now he's going to the ex-girlfriend, the Crimson, not Crimson Cowl. What's her name? Crimson, I forget. There's so many at this point. doesn't matter. They don't last long, Joe. Well, so she uh, is living in a trailer at the amusement park. Yeah. And maybe she's assisting Seth Rogen with some issues that he's having. 
Yep, I forget. I forget what he's Helping screen... him relieve some stress via yeah, cam- with, camera. Right, with his screen name that is absolutely uh, laugh out loud. But anyway. Yes, yes. Uh, so as uh, she's about to put on uh, her show, uh, the boys show up to, you know, knowing that uh, Soldier Boy is coming there. Uh, both uh, Butcher and Huey have taken Compound V again. Uh, they drug M.M. so that he won't stop them from doing what's about to happen. Um, and essentially they, like, serve her up on a silver platter to Soldier Boy in the hopes to get Soldier Boy to help them take down Homelander. Right, to use his powers to take yes. away her powers. Um, right. uh, his powers. Um, and while all that's going on, before M.M. passes out, he called... Uh, he called Starlight, and things don't go well between Huey and Starlight because he's taken, uh, he's taken uh, Compound V yet again. So she's not happy with that, even though he can open jars now, Joe. Right. Uh, a bunch of people ask him about the uh, fixed broken arm that's no longer broken. Mm-hmm. Um, we also get the bit where she comes home after the hard day, and Huey's there waiting for her with a bunch of white claws and. The most god awful worst selection of candies there's ever been. Yeah, but don't you remember? Huh? When they were slightly together back in season one or two, yeah. they went out to the vending machine and like, what candies do you want? And she had the worst choice. All her favorites were the worst. Right. Well, that's the thing. This was just a reminder that all of her favorites are the worst. Oh, okay. I thought you completely forgotten. No, no, no. It was just it, like because the they didn't do they, they they didn't do it in season two, and this was just a callback. And it's like, oh, that's right. She likes all this horrible candy. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were like, why are you getting all this stupid? No, candy? no, right. no. You've been known to forget. That's all. I have been known to forget things. Uh, but obviously, they, Huey and Starlight, are trying to be more honest and open in their relationship. But Huey is addicted to the Compound V. He's addicted to helping Butcher. The um, feeling of being, you know, a hero. But, right, it's the feeling of being a hero, but it's also the feeling of being the one to protect or save or help Starlight. And right. Starlight is like, no, that's not what I want you to be. I like you for you. I don't want you to be the hero. I don't want you to be the one who saves me. I don't want to be the one who saves you. I just want us to be us. And obviously Huey doesn't get that. Yep. Um, and I think I've covered, like, it's all scattershot, of course, there, over my notes. There's one last thing that I want to cover. and then All right, go for it. Is the whole thing with Frenchie and Kamiko. I have is, that. Go ahead. Yes. Okay. Kamiko, you know, is, is, is in the, the hospital room and Frenchie's watching over and Frenchie was supposed to go do that job for, uh, uh, I can't think of her name, but the Russian chick. So he's like, they're like, go, go kill this person. He's like, it's a kid. He's like, that's never stopped you before. Um, but you owe me. I don't care what you say. Butcher doesn't owe me. You're the one who brought it to me. You lost me. All those people in Russia that were all my, you know, my, my, uh, my contacts and money. Go handle this. And Frenchie doesn't do it. And he's sitting with Kamiko and she, and she ends up waking up and he ends up, uh, like, she ends up saying like, oh, what happened? I'm bleeding. And he's like, yeah, that's not good. She's no, she's like happy. She's like, she's lost her powers. She can't lift heavy things. She's not healing. She's in, in a world of happiness because she doesn't want to be a monster anymore. So Frenchie stays with her and doesn't do the job and is watching uh, m- movies. 
and ends up talking and singing and they end up having a singing dance number. And at that point, once it turned into the dance number, I knew it wasn't real, but this is the second time they faked me out that Kamiko could talk because I thought maybe without the powers, that's what was stopping her from talking. She has this big dance number. She wakes up and she sees Frenchie and she kisses him. And Frenchie's like, Oh, like freaked out about it. And he goes, he's like, do you want a coffee? I'm going to go get a coffee. Like to kind of like process it. But in the process, he ends up getting kidnapped by the Russians and Kamiko's going to think that he left because she kissed him. And that just breaks my heart because I like out of the group, Kamiko is the only one left that is like, not um, like hasn't done something completely horrible. Like, because she wanted to, she feels bad. She's, she's being the gun. She's being pointed. She doesn't want to. And she's the only one left that I'd like out of the group. So, She's the only one who could be redeemed? Yes. She's the only one who actually feels bad for their decisions and the things that they've done and is trying to not be that where everyone else is leaning into it? Yep, we'll do what we have to do to get this done kind of a deal. Yeah. But So, yeah, and I'll say this. I was talking to a couple of people because Adam, like, he came over and he didn't watch a couple of shows and he was like, what should I watch? I was like, not that, that you do. I was like, watch strange new world. Strange new worlds is good. But like, I think the boys in season, this is what season three is, is firing on all cylinders and it's the best it's been like every character is doing something that I'm interested in or annoyed at in a good way. Like I right now, like the boys is at the height of his powers. I would certainly say so. And we have, what, three episodes left on this? Yep. Yeah. And they say- I'm glad we have more episodes mm-hmm. so that in the hopes that our heroes can regroup and figure out a way to bring Homelander down, the fact that there's three episodes left and they already have Soldier Boy alongside them makes me think, I'm very worried that Soldier Boy and Homelander are going to work together. I don't know what's going to happen because by this point we're out. I was out on the book, mm-hmm. but I, I'm worried. And I've had a couple of people come to me and I think, oh, this is, you know, this is the end of Homelander. And I'm like, no, there's a, there's a season four. You don't get rid of Homelander has to be the last scene of being taken out. You can't have a villain after Homelander. Right, we said this last week as well that like he can't be brought down just yet, you know. Right, right. Sorry, I didn't forgot that we said that. No, no, it's okay. I'm with you. I agree with you. Um, but I just don't know how you get on to the next part, you know? Yeah, we'll see. Because I, like I said, I think I might have said this last week too. I, I hope at this point, uh, this is the Empire, the Empire Strikes Back ending. Like, the boys are on the ropes at the end of this season. They're scattered. Like, Homelander completely has the upper hand, a la the opposite of the way season two ended. Right. But we'll see. I'm going to watch. Oh, yeah, for sure. On my little Kindle. But anyway. And uh, I think that's it, right? Yeah, I think that's everything. I've rambled on enough, as usual. We all have. Uh, so again, thanks for bearing with us. Like I always say, thanks for hanging in there. Uh, this was episode six eleven of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. 
Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.